When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Bigfoot Collectors Club with Bryce and Michael. I know a ghost story or two. Let's do this. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Bigfoot Collectors Club, the show where we talk to amazing guests about their personal paranormal history and share stories of high strangeness. I'm your host, Michael McMillan. With me always is your other host, Bryce Johnson. And our super producer, Riley Bray. Hey guys, just because our series on Roswell has concluded, <laughs> it doesn't mean that Wet Hot Alien Summer is over just yet. Yeah, closing it out. Woo, boy, I want to thank everybody who sent in a uh, kind words about the series uh that was one of the most fun things i think we've ever done uh on this show and we've heard your request to do some longer form research stuff in the future and we're definitely gonna do some of that stuff yeah michael and i were talking just the other day i think we've got some really fun stuff planned so uh, we're excited to share with what that might be here in the near future and if you want more roswell we're keeping the party going over on the other side so Right now, you can hear our latest episode, Roswell Remains, where we discuss the leftovers of our research, including a few theories about what may have really gone down. And that episode also features a couple chats with Gabrielle Ruiz and Jen Kirkman. So you're going to want to check that out over on Patreon.com slash Bigfoot Collectors Club. And just because Wet Hot Alien Summer is heading into its few final weeks, it's not too late to get your t-shirt. So head over to the wearecampfire.media website, click the shop button, and order our retro 80s tee by artist James Maholland. Yeah, thanks for sending those photos, too, of everybody wearing them. It's been really great to see. Exactly. Take a pic wearing your shirt, and please tag us on Instagram at Bigfoot Collectors Club. Okay, everybody, let's get into today's show. We've got a guest for you. It's the first guest episode in over a month. I'm... Very, very excited about who we have for you today. Uh, He is a comedy writer who has worked on shows for Comedy Central, Cartoon Network, and Disney+. Plus. In addition to projects for Funny or Die, YouTube Originals, and Riff Tracks, he also created the Sci-Fi Comedy Bubble podcast that uh, got a lot of acclaim and is the co-host of Jordan Jesse Go. Everyone, boys and girls, Club Scouts, please give a warm Club Scout salute to Mr. Jordan Morris. Yeah. Hey, right. gang. Happy to be here. Podcast royalty in the house today. <laughs> in the thank you. Club thank, you for, thank you for genuflecting. I can hear you guys <laughs> both genuflecting on your end. So thank you for showing me the proper respect. We have to pay respect to those who came before us and bro- broke the podcast ceiling. Thank you. Uh, we'll be discussing the right of kings later. Uh, <laughs> Do you wear a little enough. crown when you record? 
Oh, always. You got to wear a little crown, a little crown, a big crown. I have many crowns and just kind of depending on my mood. A scepter with a microphone on top. (laughs) Right. Yes. That's what I'm recording out of right now. (laughs) Basically anything that would be in Scrooge McDuck's vault. (laughs) Uh, I like to have around me while I'm recording just to, to, to remind myself that I basically invented the genre. Uh, were you and a, by genre i mean uh medium because right? you've been doing this now for what 10 years uh i think our podcast jordan jesse go i think we're 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 13 plus so wow. we've wow. yeah so wow. we've been doing we've been doing it a while yeah definitely when we uh started uh podcasting it was mostly like Mac tips and Harry Potter fan fiction and uh oddly enough probably a lot of paranormal stuff too. Wow. I I how do you feel about people like us who hop on the bandwagon like, you know, 7 8 9 years into it? Oh, I fucking hate you. I resent you. <laughs> and your in your young enthusiasm. Oh, you make me sick. Right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So are you, uh, you mentioned DuckTales. Are you a DuckTales fan growing up? Yeah, I definitely, I definitely liked DuckTales growing up. Big Disney afternoon fan uh, in general. Yeah, DuckTales, Darkwing, Tailspin. Uh, Don't leave out Chippendale Rescue Rangers. Uh, Why why would I? That would be silly to leave out Chippendale's Rescue (laughs) Rangers. Good, uh, good Nintendo game that went along with that too. DuckTales, oh my gosh, the best. The Capcom game for that and the Game Boy game. And then, uh, of course, the DuckTales game was the best. But I bring it up because I feel like DuckTales was a good, like Indiana Jones, which it was obviously paying a big homage to uh, in some respects. Like, I feel like DuckTales is kind of one of those, like, entry points into the paranormal world for a lot of kids. They're always off chasing after some weird relic or paranormal device. Huh. Never thought of it like that. I could see that though. Well, certainly in in Indiana Jones. Yeah, as well. no, that's great. Yeah, they definitely they definitely like were able to put those hyper specific characters into a lot of different genres. I think that's a cool part of Ducktales is that there was a lot of like, yeah, they did a lot of like genre hopping in it in a way that I think was really cool. I got to check out the new series. I hear it's pretty good. Yeah. yeah, I've watched a couple. It's pretty funny. It definitely, it's definitely like for kids. It's definitely one of those where you watch it and you're like, okay, like if I was, uh, if I was ten, this would be my favorite thing in the world. Um, it maybe doesn't like quite hit the. I can watch this if I'm a t- single thirty-eight year old adult. <laughs> uh, but, I don't know, uh, man. Some of the stuff I've been watching during quarantine is just purely to get me back into the mindset of a fifth grader. Yeah, you know what? No judgment. <laughs> quarantine, all bets are off. Just uh, watch old episodes of Speed Buggy if that's what yeah. soothes oh, you. Man. Jabberjaw. <laughs> Re- yeah, watch some Jabberjaw. Watch some weird old Hanna-Barbera stuff. Uh, Funky Phantom. If that soothes you, no judgment. Great, great, great ape. <laughs> Yes. Scooby-Doo, often imitated, never replicated. Right. Yes. So I we ask all of our guests on the show, Jordan, what is your personal paranormal history? Growing up, were you into ghosts, Bigfoot, UFOs? Have you had any experiences you could share? Uh well, yeah. So I was a I was a dinosaur kid, uh, first and foremost, and I still identify as a dinosaur kid. Um so I loved the Loch Ness Monster. I loved mm. any TV special about the Loch Ness Monster, any, you know, yeah, any 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 Loch Ness uh, 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 content, I was all over it. Um, yeah, it's like just it's why I know the weird trivia fact that a loch is what they call a lake in Scotland. 
Um, yeah, so that was my big one. Um, yeah. Did you ever I, get to go to to Scotland and see and see Loch Ness? No, still a dream. Still a dream. <laughs> it's going to be a while now. I know. Yeah, maybe that's the first. That's the first thing I'm going to do when it uh, when it when it gets safe to get on a plane. Head out Did there to Loch Ness and buy some uncomfortable hot t-shirts from a gift shop and <laughs> shot did that glasses. Ever, did that ever sound plausible to you that, uh, what people could have been seeing in the, in, in the lock might've been a, uh, a, a dinosaur for lack of a better word that, that made it through the ages. Boy, it, of all the, of all the paranormal conspiracy stuff, it, it probably makes the least sense. Yeah. I just wanted to believe it so bad. I just like it. It gave me like I remember as a kid, like going to a museum and on the way home, like crying because like realizing that the dinosaurs were gone. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> that really hit you. Yeah. It's like I mean, it's just like, oh, this is all my books are about this and I'll never get to see it. So, yeah, definitely. Like I, I wanted it to be real so it would, bad. It yeah. would be like as if you were really into the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and then your parents sat you down and and told you that Michelangelo, Raphael, Donatello, and Leonardo were all dead. Right. <laughs> and the, <laughs> like, they not evolved. Even the, they, I mean, we have chickens today. That's the closest, uh, you know, relic to dinosaurs and birds in general. Yeah. I, you know, I think when I was a kid... Not the same, though. They were kind <laughs> of like um, the, the, like, evolution. They weren't pushing the... They involved it to birds as hard. I don't know if they didn't know that or if evolution was still like a controversial thing to talk to kids about but right. um i just basically the information that i walked away with was a meteor hit earth and they all died all of them immediately you know uh so yeah so i think the loch ness monster gave me hope um and but yeah but now right now i realize that there's like what it what could possibly have made that happen it's totally yeah so i i, I do not think that there is a loch ness monster currently but uh sure was sure was fun to look at pictures of that black and white, Old you know, messy. submarine photos of fins as a kid. Did you, uh, have you happened to check out any of the latest stuff about the Loch Ness Monster that's come out in the past year or two? No, I didn't know there was new Loch Ness info. Oh. I think I, I think I just kind of, kind of shut it out of my mind. Tell, How tell me. I'm, dare I'm, you turn your back on the last hope for dinosaurs? <laughs> I'm sorry, Nessie. <laughs> uh, so, well, First of all, there there was like this spring, there was a, uh, and I'll send you the link later, we'll put it in the show notes, there was a video, uh, a new Loch Ness video that uh, tourists took uh, alongside the lake of showing a large object swimming just beneath the surface, and it kind of reignited everybody's interest. Okay. Um, but they did a test in the past year or two, they did this thing using uh, eDNA, which is environmental DNA, where they basically put a probe. I don't know how exactly what, what the instrument looks like, but they probe an area, in this case, the lock, Loch Ness, and collect samples of just from the particulates in the water. And then they mm -hmm. can take that and they can sh they can figure out what is shedding DNA in the lake? Yeah, every so, biological organism. It takes a, a whole genomic picture uh, of the entire lock with just a small sample in the size of your palm. So they, so they, of course, they have lots of fish, and then there's like lamb or sheep DNA for all the sad sheep that fall into the <laughs> lock and drown. That's the that was the depressing side note. Yeah, and this any body of water in Scotland, pr probably some sheep have drowned here. There's going to be a sheep or two in there for there's sure. There's going to be a sheep or two. Just prepare for it. Bring bring a tear to young Jordan Morris's eyes, and then, uh, but one of the big hits that they got was like just 
a shit ton of eel DNA. Okay. And they think that Locke, the Loch Ness monster might actually be either a large eel or, or a species of large eel or an amalgamation of like a giant cluster of eels. So when people see something emerging from the Loch that looks like a, you know, a sea serpent, they're really just seeing big eels. Yeah. Hey, that, I mean, Big Eel is pretty cool. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, that's a great consolation prize. I mean, obviously, nothing would top seeing a live dinosaur, but um, a Big Eel or a conglomeration of eels that move as one is pretty cool sounding, too. <laughs> like, it's like an eel rat king living in the depths of just all tangled into one giant eel. Can you imagine if you were a boy and you were brought into like a secret laboratory and they were like, we're going to show you Jordan the Loch Ness Monster? And it was just a tank. Yeah. <laughs> With an eel in it. I mean, who are these scientists that are doing this to yeah. me? And how to get your name and why, number? Yeah, why them. are they doing oh, yeah, why are they taking individual kids into a room and disappointing them? <laughs> well, we heard you were right. the most uh the biggest fan of Loch Ness, Jordan. <laughs> we read your fourth grade paper on Nessie. We were highly intrigued at your theories. <laughs> Uh, we hope this bums you out really bad. That's my Scottish, by the way. It's pretty good. I think one of his parents was maybe Russian, but that's not bad. Better than yeah, ours, he's sure. a yeah, he's a he's a scientist, uh, but but he's he's complicated. But you know, we flirt around with the idea that Nessie is neither eel nor Pleistocene relic. We we think it might even perhaps be some sort of creature. Uh, from time and space, uh, maybe perhaps from a different dimension, something oh, completely okay. paranormal altogether. You like know? maybe Loch Ness is like a portal, and things can yeah. kind of come and go. Absolutely, that's what? the mo- that's the most fun theory. There's a story about uh, Aleister Crowley when he that's bought right. his mansion, his old like gothic mansion in Inverness, and was doing all of these uh, occult rituals back in the 1920s and 30s, that he was actually trying to summon the creature out of the lock and didn't finish, never banished, never finished the spell. And And it was shortly after then that people started seeing this thing on the side of the road and then coming out of the water. That rules. That's such a good, (laughs) that's such a great comic booky explanation if, uh, yeah. Yeah, Totally. Yeah, yeah it was all... supposed to be like some six month, uh, one of the longest uh, rituals he was ever supposed to partake in. But then some life matters happened, as they often do, and he had to to leave Inverness, and he le- he left the portal open. Yeah, he had some marriages to destroy and some <laughs> men's wills to break. <laughs> right, and a friend needed him to help move, and he had right, the, right. the only guy in town with the pickup truck. That's right. So that's exactly right. Everybody asked him to help them move. I I know. But the first uh, report of the Loch Ness Monster comes from a story of St. Columba, I think uh, Columba or Columbo, not the Peter Falk character. But he uh, there is this old story from like the from medieval times of the saint going up to up into Scotland and then banishing the sea serpent that came out of the loch back into the waters. And so maybe Aleister Crowley unlocked the beast from within. Yeah, all of this stuff. I think with 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 a lot of paranormal stuff, um, my position is I don't really believe it, but I would be stoked if it was true. Like I'm excited to be proved wrong. Like, uh, yeah, I'm a pretty like committed agnostic uh, with most issues. Um, Great place to be. Yeah. Oh, it's really fun. You just get to sit here on the fence and uh, just try and make sure nobody's mad at you. 
Um, <laughs> so yeah, but I, but all of this stuff is like, oh, that, that would be really cool. I mean, obviously, I don't want an alien invasion or you know to get stomped by a Bigfoot, but um, it would be it would be cool. Where where did you grow up, Jordan? Uh, I grew up in Orange County, so maybe like an hour south of LA, kind of in the in the in the Disneyland area. Wow! So yeah, you're you're a, you're a LA local. I, I was trying to figure out, like, I, I guess I was asking, and now I'm really curious. Were there any urban legends where in Orange County growing up? Boy, no. So you know, no LA. LA you know, Orange County is kind of close to LA, but it is very like it is very far away from it, like culturally. Um, so I think Orange County is a relatively like, you know, new thing. You know, I think it was, you mm-hmm. know, farmland up until the 50s. So I think that like there being things there is kind of new. So, yeah, I don't think it accumulated any urban legends. It definitely, you know, there's definitely no Orange County like um, Black Dahlia murder. Um, yeah, we never had a haunted house because all the houses were 10 years old. Um, you know, they tend to like tear stuff down once it, uh, once it gets too old. So yeah, there was definitely no spooky stuff in, in Orange County. I definitely like nothing even remotely Stephen King adjacent. Mm. That's such a bummer. <laughs> I know. It is. It is kind of a bummer. I mean, yeah, I think it, uh, yeah, I definitely wish I could have, you know, found some dead bodies growing up. I think it would have been a lot of nice hibachi grills out there. Maybe there could be like some hibachi grill ghosts going around or something. Oh yeah, sure. Absolutely. Maybe like, but uh, you know, yeah, like a maybe like there's a PF Chang's. Yeah, a cheesecake factory where the uh, uh, carbonation uh, is a little bit bad in the soda dispenser. <laughs> Don't I'm use the Mountain to... Dew fountain. Right. Yeah, I'm looking for cryptids in Orange County. Nothing's popping up, but I think the closest thing to you probably would be like the Borrego Sandman, who was oh, a uh, a type of Bigfoot uh, figure that was out in the deserts, like uh, just think east, desert east of Orange County. Okay, Borrego Sandman. I love the uh, yeah, I love the uh, I love the name. It sounds like a '90s pro wrestler. <laughs> he sounds yeah it's like a cross between a 90s pro wrestler and like a, a spider-man knockoff right. spider-man villain so did you any of these things being an agnostic is there anything in this realm beyond Loch Ness like as a grown man that captures your imagination or scares you have you uh you didn't have any haunted houses where you grew up but have you ever been to a haunted house or what, what's your take on that stuff? yeah let's see so i i did you know i did a tour of the queen mary a couple years ago where they you know talk about all the kind of weird shit that happened at the queen mary um that's in long beach and yeah i definitely like it things felt a little ghosty in there um but I think anything that's kind of old and dark is uh, always feels a little bit ghosty. Um, no, yeah. So I mean, I've 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 never I've never seen anything. I've certainly talked to people who have seen stuff, and they seem really like convinced. Um, I guess you know maybe the creepiest thing that's happened to me in kind of this zone is I've seen the sleep paralysis monster. Oh, mm. please, let's dig into this. We love. Yeah, sleep but I definitely stuff. don't think it's an actual monster. I think it's just the uh, your dream brain making a familiar shape. Um, yeah, I think they say when you get you know sleep paralysis is that kind of you know feeling that when you you wake up for a second and you can't move, you're kind of still asleep, but you know your consciousness is kind of half there. And a lot of people who have this while it's happening see a kind of a 
slender man type shadow figure standing, usually standing in a corner or kind of hovering over them or holding them down or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, genuinely terrifying, but every time it's happened, I've been scared and then it goes away and I'm like, Oh yeah, that was probably just my dream, you know, creating a familiar shape and then going away. And I was probably half asleep and half awake. Like I definitely explain it away in my brain, uh, as quick as I possibly can. See, you sound like a, a a smart, rational human being, whereas I, after that happens to me, <laughs> I have to text Bryce at three o'clock in the morning. It's I, I've had that, too. Have you ever had like auditory phenomenon when that happens? Like, do you ever hear stuff when you're in sleep paralysis? Uh, no, I don't. I that's yeah, that would be that would be an additional layer of scariness. Yeah, I hope yeah. I hope that never happens to me. But uh, but yeah, you don't it, want your incubus talking to you. That's, you, you that's when it gets bad. Love a silent incubus. <laughs> I, I hope they don't start playing the music of incubus. That would be annoying. <laughs> yeah, I had this ex, this experience happen when I was in London where I was asleep and woke up. This is years and years and years ago. And I could see a shadow figure next to my bed and I heard it muttering under its breath about not liking Americans being in its house. Wow, that's a good one. And that was really freaky. But uh, that's that's one of the few like, quote unquote, shadow shadow man uh, entities I've I've seen in those. But I've had lots of sleep paralysis shit. It's my whole life. It's been no fun. Um uh- I, I will say the thing in this zone that brings me the most delight, and I would be, I would love to get your guys's take on it. Um, unless you've talked it to death already, then we can totally move on. But uh, so, you know, as I mentioned, I grew up in Orange County in the '90s, so like obviously was listening to a lot of like, you know, a lot of the kind of like poppy skate punk of the time, uh, and it brings me no end of delight that like the leading UFO guy currently is a guy who used to be in blink 182. Yeah. It's yeah. so Crazy fucking rad. It's so funny. I just like, I, I, I just want someone from some 41 to see Bigfoot or <laughs> the guy who dances in mighty, mighty boss tomes to be QAnon. I just like yeah. want, I want that to continue to its logical end. How strange is that, right? Yeah, yeah, Tom DeLonge, he's making absolute splashes in the form of uh, of this whole To the Stars Academy and UFO thing. As a matter of fact, you know, that huge bomb drop in the New York Times in December 2017 probably wouldn't have happened had it not been for Tom DeLonge's company, To the Stars Academy. So it's, you know, a lot of people, he's a controversial figure, but I guess you kind of got to give credit where credit is due, but... What a what what a strange way to be making such a splash. I mean, and of all people, but apparently he's just been absolutely fascinated with the subject of UFOs and aliens, and and he was a voracious reader on the subject ever since he was a kid, and and he got an opportunity, a once in a lifetime unique opportunity, uh, to like go to Skunk Works, uh, which is like a def- like one of the lo- leading defense contractors who make top secret military uh, defense weapons and aeroplanes to speak at like an end of the year uh, banquet. And he was like, hey, man, you, he, you know, went to the uh, president of, uh, of, of uh, Skunk Works. I think his name is Ben Rich. And he was like, hey, after this, I'll do it. I'll speak at your uh, your banquet if you would just give me five minutes alone with uh of your time i'd love to talk to you about something and that's how it kicked it all off and that five minutes sort of opened the gateway into 
what would later become a few years later to the Stars Academy, which houses some of the greatest minds in in sort of this type of research. I mean, you've got guys like Hal Pudov, Jim Semivan, uh, who was a you know defense secretary. I mean. Uh, the people he's working for are fucking insane or that work for him, I guess, is as how you would say it. But it's so weird. Um, yeah. So, so he's kind of just bankrolling this thing like with royalties from the American Pie soundtrack. Is that exactly like, he's just a rich guy who can fund this stuff? Totally. Yeah, I, I think that's exactly what it is. Like, it's sort of like in our world where if you have a script that needs funding and you have a rich benefactor or a producer who can make it happen, I think part of the attraction, I think a lot of what the attraction of like Tom DeLonge in this world by people who are seriously trying to figure out what UFOs are is they see somebody who got a lot of money might yeah. bring in a younger generation and can and a passion for the subject and it might actually help them get their work done because it's hard to get grants and things to study uh ufos because people think you're crazy well that was his idea right he's like I, I mean, he basically told these big with big wigs and even in the military as well he's like look the narrative for UFO and government involvement is complete distrust. You know, let me help you help me help you <laughs> change the narrative of this UFO topic. You know, let me get my generation involved. Let's sort of open up the books a little bit, help it to be a little bit more transparent. And we can all sort of figure this thing out together, um, whatever that means. But if I if I if I can read between the lines <clears throat> it sounds like, you know, he's leaning towards this idea that, you know, aliens are bad and they've been messing with human civilization from the get go um, and that they might be planning something quite nefarious. So we'd better get on the topic pretty soon. A crazy aside to all of this, too, on the Blink-182 note is that Skunk Works, which uh, Bryce mentioned earlier, is uh, largely run by this guy, Jeff, uh, Jeff Baxter, and he was called Jeff Skunk Baxter. And he was in the Doobie Brothers and in Steely Dan. <laughs> wow. Yeah, Amazing. And, except but now he's on like a congressional advisory board on missile defense and is like this crazy high level defense contractor. So. <laughs> I don't know. This post musician <laughs> career in uh, paranormal technology is like a, a bizarre thing. That's wild, man. I remember yeah. in in when during the kind of Hillary email scandal of 2016, like something that was in those emails that got leaked was that her office was communicating with Tom DeLonge. I just thought that was so funny and weird. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, Tom DeLong reached out to John Podesta, who has always been interested in the UFO topic and the Clintons in general. Uh, you know, John Rockefeller started a commission uh, to sort of look into the phenomenon, and he, you know, invited people to sort of a, a weekend foray to talk about it. And it included people like, you know, Hillary Clinton and Bill and John Podesta. And uh, it's pretty wild. Well, it was Democratic Senator Harry Reid, too, who's got the program funding together for the um, the uh, ATIP program in the Pentagon that uh, Elizondo, DeLong's partner, came out of um, that was all part of that story. So it, it is I don't know. It's a weird thing. This is this is when when there's something that has a big stigma to it where people don't want to look crazy. Uh, the way you get funding together for something like this is usually in very roundabout, strange ways. Um, I was also a um, I, I also had a little Art Bell period. I definitely had oh, um, a period in um, 
when I moved to LA, my first couple jobs were PA jobs where, you know, you just, you just kind of do the, do the bitch work for the production office. Um, and yeah, and a lot of it was, uh, uh, driving scripts around late at night and, you know, kind of pre podcast. So you kind of just had terrestrial radio to listen to. So yeah, I definitely like drove around LA listening to art bell for a couple months. God, he was one of a kind, man. He really made those late nights, uh, mysterious and interesting and time would just fly. Yeah. We, I, we, we're all big fans of, uh, of Art bell. Definitely. Yeah. I, I definitely like <clears throat> something that was amazing about him. And I think that like, uh, I, I'm sure this is, this is a very cold take, but like something that was kind of amazing about him is that like anybody who called in, he would like, he would just assume that they were telling the truth, you know, yeah. he would believe them and interview them like they were telling the truth. But I like, you know, like someone's like, oh, the 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 original tribes of Israel live in the center of the earth. And he's just like, oh, interesting. How? Tell well, me more. Yes. Where? <laughs> how do how how do we get into the center of, you know, he would. But I remember the one time he shut somebody down for being too out there was someone who called in and said that the the IRS was about to forgive all credit card debt. <laughs> and he's just like no that won't happen and i'm like this is so weird this is where you're drawing the lines so i mean obviously yes that is crazy and why would they do that but like as he looks at like the three hundred thousand dollars in credit card debt that's been stacked up, up. <laughs> right yes exactly and he's like all right i'm gonna talk to somebody who made love to the jersey devil you know like he's <laughs> What do you remember? What era of Art Bell that was? Do you remember any of the big stories that were going on at that time? Oh boy! I mean, tribes of Israel living in the center of the earth. I that, haven't heard that one. That's wild. Yeah, I don't think I have enough. I didn't. I didn't retain enough for me to ac- accurately explain it. But I just. That's, I. I loved hearing it. That seems like a story that goes in one ear, splits around your head for about thirty minutes, and then drops out the other. I know. I just like. Re- I just remember the phrase. The phrase stuck in my brain. Um. <laughs> yeah, and you know, yeah, it was. It, it was the the kind of early and mid two thousands. So um, the first, so yeah. okay. I think the first Art Bell story I ever heard was in the late nineties, and my uncle got me into it because my uncle used to work in construction, and he would drive. He would do these like long cross country drives out to sites, and you know, ten twelve hours drive all night, and he'd listen to Art Bell. And it was Bryce. You might remember this one, Jordan. I don't know if it rings a bell. Uh, there was a guy who claimed that he had seen a black triangle in the forest of a ship and that he found or shot and killed an alien that he kept in his freezer. Oh my God. (laughs) And he was (laughs) leaking photos of the ship and the alien to Art Bell and Coast to Coast was putting it on their website. And this is one of the, I was like, really thinking this might be real there as a teenager for a minute. And it was around that time when like they could just start to really doctor photos with Photoshop to make Mm. it look real. And, you know, people were kind of untrained to be able to spot that stuff. And it was just this really compelling. He basically borrowed a lot from the Rendlesham Forest stuff and others in Roswell. It was like him and his dog had been hunting and found this craft and then shot and killed an alien that he kept in his freezer. (laughs) And the the alien dummy that he used was was really cool looking. Like it was like a gnarly looking Roswell alien. It it seems like the logical place you go to is, is he planning to eat it? (laughs) <laughs> and when does he when does he taste test the alien live on coast to coast yeah this <laughs> that's the next obvious natural bite, progression 
Yeah, just a little bit. Just yeah, just it cut off, cut off, pr- cut off the hand and prepare the hand. You still have the alien there, but I, I just like to nibble on the toes every Friday <laughs> night. Just he got one. <laughs> he's got ten. T- he's got twenty toes on each foot. So I got a lot of way. I got a long ways to go. <laughs> yeah, I guess he just was gonna. There was also Bigfoot hoaxes of people saying they had a body on ice, and it's all just to drag out. You know, and usually what they do is they make a DVD or they take it on tour to like sell people and then nah, people sure. figure it's out. PT Barnum all type thing. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, exactly. It's just like a total, total uh, huckster, hoaxster kind of thing. That's, oh, that's wild. I didn't realize there was still like, you know, county fair, I sewed a monkey to a fish type. <laughs> oh, viewing totally. of uh, supposed, supposed cryptids. They are doing that with Bigfoot all the time still. You know, it's like every couple of years, someone claims they've shot and killed a body. Oftentimes, it's like one of or a person from the same group that's that claimed it before. And then they'll often be like, well, this isn't the body, but there is a body just like this. But I had to hide that body. So this is a replica right. of exactly what the body looks like. So they have their like really fun ways to explain away when they're busted. Yeah, that was always something I remembered about the Art Bell stuff is that, like, there was an element of, like, we're going to show you, but we can't do it now, you know? Mm-hmm. We're going mm-hmm. to release the photos, but not now, you know? And they always had some weird reason why the, the 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 thing that would change everybody's mind can't be public yet. Yeah. My favorite Art Bells are always those guys that say they worked at, like, Area 51, and they'd call late at night, and they'd be like, you know... They'd have to like jump off the line real quick and like, oh, I, I got to go, you know, but uh, I just wanted to tell you uh, some shit is going on down here at the base, you know, um, that always had such a air of authenticity or like all those, you know, military personnel that would call in and say they're, you know, oh, my boss is coming. Shit. Yeah. 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 Oh, I got to go. I got to <laughs> go. That's fun. Like, That's totally fun. <laughs> Well, there was that super scary one of that guy. I think we talked about it on our we Art did. Bell tribute show with that guy who, Jordan, did you ever hear that guy who called in who like said the aliens were coming and then got cut off the line and then all the power in Art Bell's uh, studio went off? No, uh-uh. that's, that's oh, great. Man. Well, you know what we'll do? We'll take a quick break. And when we come back, maybe we'll play you that clip so you can hear it. And then we'll play a little bullshit or believe it with our guest, Jordan Morris. <laughs> All right, Jordan. So we have we found the clip for you. This is from uh, an old Coast to Coast episode. This is uh, and there's there's writing on, you know, there's text on the video that's that opens with in 1997 syndicated talk show host Art Bell (laughs) received a frantic call from a man claiming to have worked in Area 51. And then this is the call that he gets. Online, you're on the air. Hello. Hello, Art. Yes. Hi. Um, I, I, I don't have a whole lot of uh, time. Um, well, look, let's begin yeah. by finding out whether you're using this line properly or not. Uh, Area 51. Yeah, um, that's right. Were you an employee or are you now? Uh, I, a former employee. Former um, employee. I, I, I was let go on a medical discharge about a week ago. And... And... <laughs> I, I've kind of been running a, across the country. Um, oh man, I don't know where to start. They're they're, uh, they're, they're gonna um, they'll triangulate on this position really, really soon. So um, you can't spend a lot of time on the phone. So give us something quick. Okay. Um. Um. Okay. What well, what we're thinking of as as aliens are they're 
they're, they're extra-dimensional beings that an earlier precursor of the um, space program made contact with. Uh, they, they are not what they claim to be. Uh, they have infiltrated a lot of... Uh, uh, a lot of aspects of, of, of the military establishment, particularly the Area 51. Uh, the, the disasters that are coming, they, the, the military, I'm sorry, the, the government knows about them. And there's a lot of safe areas in this world that they could begin moving the population to now aren't. But they're not doing, they're not doing anything. They are not. They want the major population centers wiped out so that the, the few that are left will be more easily controllable. So the transmission cuts out and then <laughs> Art Bell comes back up and he says, I love that music. Yeah. <clears throat> But he basically comes up and says that once they lost the signal, their entire the studio's entire power shut down. Wow! And they had to run. They had to start back up on backup generators. Gen- generators is like, I have no idea what just happened, folks. That's the weirdest thing. It's never happened in the entire time we've been doing the show. Such a creepy call. That guy was talking about loved, 2020. Love to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> that guy knew about 2020, man. Uh, it's just yeah, wild seriously. because I feel bad now as an adult listening to it because I'm like, oh, that guy probably needs help. But yeah. it is <laughs> so scary. And the fact that the they lost power during it is very, very weird. You know, coming off the heels of our Roswell special, something popped out in, uh, when that guy was saying a precursor to the space program. We made contact with these beings, these interdimensional beings. Uh, as a precursor to the space program, it made made me think about what we were talking about uh, in our Roswell episode. That you know, these beings crashed right before we got our our space program off the ground. You know, uh, interesting. I don't know. Yeah, I definitely don't. <laughs> I don't believe that was real, but it is like <laughs> such good. It is such good theater and such radio, good yeah. listening. Yeah, and yeah, and I love that kind of like. You know, is it real? Is it not? I think that the like tension of that is yeah. is so fun and entertaining. And uh, yeah, at three a.m. Sure. at night, that shit's real. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, totally. At, at I know. Five in the afternoon, not so real. You know, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. I know. And like you know, it's always over AM radio, so it's like a little grainy, and it's maybe right. even coming in and out. You know, I naturally. Know. I, so yeah, I found myself like creeping towards the microphone, like oh, more, more. You know, oh, my right. God. <laughs> Well, speaking of what's real and what's not, we have a game we like to play with all of our guests, Jordan, where we go down a list of phenomena, and I ask you uh, if you believe it or if you find it to be bullshit. Uh, This is a game, of course, we call Bullshit or Believe It. All right, rapid fire. You got two answers: okay. bullshit or believe it. And I mean, this is t- this is. I mean, as I mentioned, I am I am I am happily agnostic on most issues. So this is this is a challenge for me doing a definitive <laughs> d- definitive yes the, or no. It's uncomfortable. It's a it's it's a mental exercise, and we can circle back to anyone that you'd like to. Okay. All right. Here we go. On your mark. Get set. Ghosts. Uh, bullshit. UFOs. Uh, 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 yeah, bullshit. Bigfoot, built bullshit. <laughs> Little gray aliens. Uh, bullshit. 
Out-of-body experiences. Bullshit. Demonic possession. Bullshit. The Bermuda Triangle. Uh, huh. Bullshit. Alien abductions. Bullshit. Loch Ness Monster. Oh, sadly, bullshit. It pains me. It pains me. (laughs) I don't like, I don't like it. Time travel. Uh, bullshit. Mothman. Uh, uh, I have not heard of, I mean, that sounds like a deep cut Justice League character. Uh, (laughs) Pretty much is. So yes, I believe that the Justice League had a character called Mothman in the 80s, uh, and he fought Clock King. Um, But no, as far as, I, that's not something I believe in. No, it's also Clock King, that's a deep cut within a deep cut. Yeah, I'm Uh, just trying to think about uh, 80s. Well done. Uh, Reincarnation. Uh, Bullshit. ESP. Uh, Bullshit. Haunted Houses. Bullshit. The Illuminati. Uh, yeah, I'll, 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 I, but let's, I'll say believe it. Let's say believe it. There's a face on Mars. Uh, uh, bullshit. Skunk Ape. Bullshit. Sea Serpents. Bullshit. Poltergeists. Uh, bullshit. Chupacabra. Bullshit. Atlantis. Bullshit. Life on Other Planets. Uh, uh believe it. Parallel Dimensions. Uh, bullshit. The Apocalypse. Bullshit. Life After Death. Uh, mm, uh you know, let's, I'll, I'll, let's say, uh, let, let's say believe. I'll say believe it. Well done. You got all Thank the way through you. those. That wasn't so bad. <laughs> we've had, we've had far worse anxiety attacks while playing this game. I know. Yeah, uh, it's tough. It's guess. tough. It's definitely tough. And it's tough with kind of spiritual stuff. And there's something like, I'm like, well, Bermuda Triangle. It's like, well, I bet there's probably just an area where weather is bad and they couldn't explain. I don't know. So I'm like, oh, there's probably some explanation for some of this stuff. But yeah. I'm just glad I didn't have to sell Skunk Ape to Jordan. That would have been a that would have been uh, a, like a that's like a regional Bigfoot, right? That's like a, yeah, that's exactly right. It's like Florida's southeastern. It's the Florida Bigfoot. It's the Skunk Ape is the Florida man Bigfoot. God, yeah. right. Mm-hmm. So he uh, he goes to Waffle House with a machete at two a.m. and <laughs> steals an ATV and ape. makes the local news. What's the so Orange the, County one again? Can you remind me what the name? Uh, Bur- the Borrego Sandman, which Borrego is uh, I don't know Sandman. if it's specifically Orange County, but there. But it's in the deserts, you gotcha. know, out east of there. Uh, I'm not sure which county that falls into. Maybe like a more yeah. a, maybe, maybe a, a Coachella Valley. Yes. The, oh, there's definitely Coachella, Coachella Valley. Valley. It's called the Yucca Man. Yucca yeah. Man. Oh, I love this. This is that's, great. So, that's one of the fascinating, I think, things about Bigfoot is so many people just think, you know, oh, Pacific Northwest. There's the there's the one up there, but. You know, people are reporting this this thing or this creature basically in all fifty states except for uh, except for Hawaii, I think, and, and Alaska. But yeah, this the, you know people report their that, own sort of cultural Bigfoot. It's really wild. It blows my mind that there hasn't been an Alaska one. I've yeah, I've, I visited there, and, and that seems like such prime Bigfoot country. I may have that wrong. I know there's. I, I think it's like forty eight states re- all report Bigfoot sightings, wild. and I think there's two. I know Hawaii's one. I'm not sure what the other one is, but I'm gonna Google Alaskan Bigfoot because I've, there's got to be Sasquatch. You would think, there. right? I know if there's one in the Himalayas. I just pulled up a headline that said Alaskan Bigfoot in and mysterious force fields of the Triangle, and I do not think we have time for whatever that is. <laughs> yeah, that's your next three parter. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> do you guys have a favorite region? I mean, you mentioned Skunk Ape. It seems like there's some affection for the Skunk Ape, but do you guys have favorite regional Bigfoots? That's a great Bryce. question. Yeah, no, I I love the uh, 
the idea of a southeastern uh, bipedal hominid, especially something like the skunk ape, just because it's the, you know, the vi- the videos that are really great down there usually come from like the swamps, and there's there's a couple I'm thinking of in particular where, you know, this this creature, this sort of hairy creature, is digging around in the in the swamps, and this guy just happens to catch it on his camera, and you're thinking. What fucking jackass in the right mind would be out in a hairy ape suit, you know, <laughs> where there's crocodiles and boa constrictors and pythons and just like, you know, all types of deadly predators. And, and you're out there trying to, you know, hoax a video. It just didn't make sense. And, uh, you know, people report it. I mean, it's one of the more commonly reported Bigfoot sightings uh, uh, juxtaposed to the Pacific Northwest one. So so something is happening down there. And, you know, people are experiencing and seeing something um, very strange. My favorite is Momo, the Missouri monster. And I like him because <laughs> he's, he's got a cute sli- name, got a cute name and an even cuter look like he's Bigfoot. But they describe him of, of having like a large like pumpkin head where like the uh, not a literal pumpkin, but just like where the shoulders and the head kind of, you know, meld into one. And he, he kind of looks like a character out of out of the Adams family or like the Munsters. Mm-hmm. He's like got a good like late sixties like, uh, like that monster in ha- Bugs Bunny, that big red monster. Oh, exactly. Yeah, sure. He, yeah, he looks like him uh, in in eyewitness drawings. So I'm kind of I'm a big Momo fan. I also grew up in Kansas City, Kansas, so it's sort of local local for me. I think Missouri is having a pretty big uh, uh, rash of sightings, Bigfoot sightings, right now. Actually, interesting. Well, now, yeah, now I'm stumping for the the Sandman. That's my he's my guy. <laughs> you gotta guy. go get you the or gal. I don't know. I don't yeah, want to. That's true. That's my baggage. Yeah. Assuming a Bigfoot is a man. That's my you, cultural <laughs> baggage. You. You'll get a lot of good prospector stories when you look that up. It's usually a lot of prospectors seeing the Borrego Sandman out out in the bat out in California's Badlands. It's funny that there's still prospectors. Yeah, I know. That's I a, think there are actually, that's but e- some of that's these... an equally odd thing to learn about. <laughs> They're paranormal too. They don't really exist in this dimension. They're just right. <laughs> yeah, they come dimension. over from yeah. the uh, 49er dimension. Yeah, sure. There's a yeah. There's a dimension where it's still the gold rush, and uh, <laughs> yeah. it's where Deadwood takes place. <laughs> yeah. It's where uh, Red Dead Redemption Two is. You know, instead of the Rockies, they have the Grizzlies. Right. Uh, all that stuff. Um, any final, any, any, any thoughts about, you know, any paranormal theories or anything before we move on, Jordan, that you wanted to float out there or a question you had, you know, like, why do they always say this? I don't oh, get yeah. I mean, now that I have that, now that I have a couple of, a couple of experts. Um, oh, yeah. You know, I vaguely, when we were talking about the Loch Ness Monster, I vaguely remember as a kid when I was at the height of my obsession about it, learning about some other like regional dinosaurs. I mean, obviously, Loch Ness is the most famous, but I kind of vaguely remember there being like a Brachiosaurus in Africa that people were yep. kind of excited oh, about. Wow. Do you guys remember the details of that? Uh, we haven't done this on the show. This is one of the earliest ones I remember as a kid as well, like around the time I heard about the Loch Ness. That's what the movie Baby is based oh, on. Oh, Baby, the-, the Lost Legend. Yeah. Yeah, I think his name, now I might be getting this wrong. I'll Google as we talk. It's like, that's not Ogopogo. That's, um. Uh, let's see. Yeah, there's stories of a uh, people seeing, like, I think at the time they were calling it a brontosaurus, although I think he, that doesn't technically exist anymore yeah, as a dinosaur. It's like Pluto. They took it away from us. Right. I, well, think it, um, I think John Keel famously, 
Yeah, John Keel, who was a famed Fortean investigator, he went on the the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson and uh, with an interview, and is part of his uh, uh, talk. He was talking about how people are still claiming to see, you know, dinosaurs and large pterodactyls or thunderbirds, as he called them. So I was shocked to hear that. But you know, according to John Keel, you know, people still see sort of. Uh, dinosaur-like creatures sometimes on occasion, which is which is crazy to think. Yeah, this I think is called the Mokeli uh, Mbembe, uh, if I'm saying that correctly. But yeah, I, that's a story that I've heard I've heard before, and I, I we we got to do an episode of it here on the show. I think Michael, what's really that? Good. What's that like uh, petroglyph that like carved in stone? I mean, it looks like a Stegosaurus, right? And then there's there's really no way. Uh, the indigenous people who inhabited that area and who carved those those arts into the stone could know about dinosaurs. Do you know what I'm talking about? I oh. do. That rings a bell. I, I actually learned about that phenomenon uh, when I visited the Cabazon dinosaurs. Oh, no way. Can you tell us a little bit about so it? So the Cabazon dinosaurs has got, undergone some interesting changes. Okay. Um, and so so these are the, the kind of the big kind of roadside, you know, Dinosaurs. I think they're in Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Oh yeah. Um, oh boy. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think they I stopped there. They this. stopped there on the uh, the wizard. I don't know if you guys remember. Yeah, them. I love those dinosaurs. Yeah, and, the Cabazon dinosaurs. Yeah, so they were like a you know a tourist trap kind of thing to get people to pull over for a barbecue restaurant kind of back in the day, and um, then they got bought by a uh, like a young Earth group. Um, so the young earth people who say that the world is only, you know, 2000 years old, uh, bought this and turned it into a museum for this theory, um, and had all of this, and you know, so they have the little like garden you can walk through with dinosaur statues, but they're also there with pigs and sheep because right, they all lived at the same time. Right, right, right. This is the theory that the Earth, uh, you know, like you said, is only two to seven thousand years old, and that the the proof of dinosaurs just means that we co-inhabited with man together. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it is so so that was that was just a real hoot. I did a did a road trip out there specifically to see that. But um, I think recently it was it was bought again from the from the young earth people by a more <laughs> sensible earth people. history focused uh, organization. Now it is kind of just a general uh, dinosaur fact place and they've removed all the, you know, all gotcha. the sheep and the pigs, Aww. but that was one of the the exhibits that I remember looking at is a um, an exhibit of kind of indigenous paintings that included some dinosaur like right. figures, and that to them was proof because these people could not have possibly seen a dinosaur or used their imaginations. Totally. Well, you know, it's it's like these, these, <laughs> these strange... Hi- assumes hi- that there's never that an indigenous person could not have an imagination. Yeah. Well, you know, perhaps through psychedelics and through altered states of consciousness, they they you know they might be open to seeing or interpreting things from or, the past or from the future. It's like those crazy hieroglyphics in Egypt that that clearly depict like a helicopter, uh, a bomb, um, you know, a tank. <laughs> they're like they're clearly, yeah. yeah. No, I'm clearly. I mean, you you cannot not see it. Um, so they're obviously depicting something. Well, um, also, uh, look. I mean, 
these cultures thousands of years ago were building cities. They were building giant temples. They were building pyramids. They were digging up the ground. I would not be surprised if they found some fucking dinosaur bones and were smart enough to put, you know, yeah. some of those sure. fossils That's one theory. together yeah. and go, oh, there were, there, were, there were these things here that came before us. Yeah. yeah. Also, you've, you know? they've seen lizards and snakes, you know? Yeah. Like, you could just draw. Anyway. Yeah, I found an article about this uh, stegosaurus or this triceratops that, that seems to appear on a temple carving. I'll throw that in the show notes for people oh, cool. who want to check Great. it out. Um, nothing obviously super conclusive there, but it is uh, interesting nonetheless. An it might mystery. be a hoax like a lot of this stuff. Um, all right, Jordan, we're going to take a brief break. When we come back, it's time for this week's story of high strangeness. And I can't wait to hear what you think about this one because it is wild nice all right well it's uh we're back to our original format this week with a story of high strangeness and while it's still wet hot alien summer i wanted to find a ufo story that was a little uh left of center a little bit weirder we've just come off you know three in-depth weeks talking about roswell so i thought maybe this story could kind of be the dessert you know this is sort of like the roswell (laughs) after party where you know the people who really care we're gonna hang out we're gonna talk tell some more weird stories ufo dessert yeah Mm. something like that uh so Over the course of the early 1970s, Pennsylvania saw not only a massive uptick in UFO sightings, but a flap of hairy humanoid encounters as well. In fact, between June of 1973 and February 1974, Fortean researcher Stan Gordon cataloged 600 UFO reports and 118 Bigfoot sightings in Pennsylvania alone. Wow. And a few cases where the two phenomena were spotted at the exact same time. Oh, yeah. Those are my favorite. Bryce, uh, do you want to give us a little glimpse in, uh, into the background of who Stan Gordon uh, was or is? Yeah, sure. Stan Gordon is just a, uh, you know, he's a researcher. He researched UFOs as well as Bigfoots or what might be called big hairy monsters. And uh, I always liked Stan Gordon because he wasn't afraid to sort of put the two together or tie the two at the scene of the crime. And I guess he might have been sort of maybe one of the first guys to postulate that perhaps uh, Bigfoots and sightings of UFOs were somehow related. Uh, And I always loved that. Jordan, have you ever heard this theory? No, all new, all new to me. All right, we'll get ready for this. So one particular case of Gordon's drew a straight line between flying saucers and Sasquatch and culminated in a midnight moonlit frenzy of high strangeness. This is the story of the Greensburg case. Mm. On October 25th, 1973, in the farmland community of Greensburg, Pennsylvania, 15 people, a collection of family members and neighbors, stood in the yard of the Pulaski farmhouse and witnessed a giant red glowing ball hovering over a nearby field. Stephen Pulaski, a 22-year-old farmer and former coal worker who at a young age was forced to retire from mining after a a back-breaking injury, grabbed his rifle, hopped in his truck, bringing along two neighbor kids, a set of twin boys, to head out to the field and take a closer look and locate this source of light. 
I like uh, that our, our recent stories involve a, a, a farmer or a ranch hand going to find UFOs with uh, like teenage sidekicks. You're off, <laughs> to a good, you're off to a great start. Yeah, it, it does seem like all of these things are just like perfect movie pitches. Oh. Completely. This this is a movie pitch, though, that like by the end of it, the the executives will be just smiling and nodding their heads, and then just you don't hear back from them ever again. <laughs> like, okay, great. Well, thanks for coming in. Yeah. But great in Ros- to meet you. <laughs> from Roswell, we had Mac Brazel with D. Proctor and Sidney Jack Wright. Now we got uh, Stephen Pulaski with the unnamed twin kids. And also, I should note that Stan Gordon he researched this case. Uh, everyone in Stephen, uh, this is a pseudonym, so we don't know his real name, but this is the name that he gave him. So, when they arrive at the pasture, Stephen and the twins discovered a large dome-shaped object or force field had settled in the wide-open grass, illuminated with brilliant white light. While standing from a 250-yard distance, Pulaski estimated that that the dome was about 100 feet in diameter. While the trio gazed at the mysterious object, they heard what sounded like the wailing of a crying baby, followed by the smell of burning rubber. One of the twins pointed to the fence uh, running along the field, about 75 feet from the group, and shouted, Look! Lumbering along the fence line, were two tall, hairy humanoids with glowing green eyes. At seven and eight feet tall, respectively, the Bigfoot-like creatures towered over the six-foot-tall fence. As they made their way closer to to Pulaski and the boys, they whined at one another in high-pitched baby chatter. (laughs) This is a thing... This is a thing that comes up in these, a lot of these Bigfoot yeah. stories are people hearing what sounds like the crying of babies in yeah. the woods. It's true. It's a common thread. It's crazy. Hey, Michael, do you think that like like lightsabers, color can determine if, if that creature is going to be good or bad, depending on their eyes shine? Yes, of course. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Green eyes mean that they're that they're uh, uh, they're they're of the living force. OK. And a blue is that they're sentinels of the force. And then, of course, if they have red eyes, that they're they're Sith. They're Sith. Big. Right. That's, I then, always wondered about then, that. Uh, you purple is Samuel L. Jackson. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 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 Basic science. Really. <laughs> and there's like only one of those. There's only one. Yeah. Pulaski raised his rifle and fired two warning shots over the creature's heads. However, the monsters didn't take the hint. As they continued to press towards Pulaski and the children, the farmer shot again, this time making a direct hit on the larger of the two beings. The shaggy beast roared and waved his hands in the air towards its companion. So this guy's just shooting them without them attacking? Hey man, this is this he is fired a warning <laughs> shot. Yeah, it's true. He told them what was up, and they didn't. That's stop. true. This is this is rural Pennsylvania in 1973. They've ju- they're seeing a giant glowing dome and two big monsters walking towards them. He I was mean, lucky to get that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we are so humanity is so fucked. If there's aliens, right? We're just gonna start shooting at them as soon as we see them. Yeah, what he couldn't see were the bouquet of flowers in the monster's hand. Right. Yes. So this happens, he shoots the monster, and then suddenly the glowing white dome vanishes, just completely disappears into thin air. 
One of the boys bolted, running home and runs home in terror. And where the dome had been, there was now a foot tall, glowing circle. Oh. As the two cryptids ran back into the woods, Pulaski and the remaining boy were suddenly overcome with this acute eye irritation. <laughs> And they, uh, Pulaski heads home, rubbing his eyes, and he, uh, where he called the police. A Pennsylvania State Trooper arrived on the scene around nine, uh, around nine forty-five p.m. Trekking back to the pasture with Pulaski, the men could still see the strange, foot-high, glowing circle in the pasture. The trooper said that all the individual plants along the ground were distinguishable by the naked eye, and the light was bright enough that you could read a newspaper in it. And the trooper clocked that all the farm animals in the area were avoiding the circle. He suggested that they head back to the barracks and call Stan, his barracks and call Stan Gordon and his UFO study group to come out and take a look. As they were heading back to the patrol car, the trooper and Pulaski heard something tracking them from the tree line. Fears escalating, the trooper jumped back into his vehicle just as Stephen saw something large and brown emerging from the woods. He screamed, Something's coming for us! Jumped in the car, and the two sped away. Now, I'm not sure when it comes to this circle uh, that they're talking about. And some uh, Sometimes it sounds like it's a solid circle, and sometimes it sounds like a ring of light. Mm. And I'm not quite sure which one it is. But it is weird that it stops a foot off the ground, and then just above it is more darkness. Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> it's a portal. There's, so, a, there's such a high fun factor here in the theory that, uh, the, like... All of this stuff is linked, like aliens, Bigfoot, Loch Ness. Yes. I mean, there's it's like an Avengers situation. It's like they're all coming together. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, well, it's, take a look or take a listen because it gets even weirder. So around 10.30 p.m., Stan Gordon got a call on his UFO hotline from the state trooper. <laughs> Gordon had already re- – I know, uh, this guy has a 1-800 number where you could call, call in <laughs> – I think it's still operational today, too. (laughs) We should call him right now. Yeah. Um, And he had already received a brief flood of calls that earlier that evening describing UFO activity in the area. So he grabbed his investigative team, which was made up of uh, which was called Westmoreland County UFO Study Group, uh, made up of David Smith, a physics teacher and radiation expert. (laughs) Amazing. Dennis Smeltzer, sociology major, George Lutz Jr., former Air Force pilot, and Gordon's co-director, photographer David Baker. These In guys, other words, the fucking A team. Like, come on, right? <laughs> the nerd, the nerdiest of nerds. These men, men who are like, uh, you know, let's get together, let's put together a task force, and let, this is the original <laughs> Pentagon UFO task force. This is who they should be hiring now. <laughs> I love it. Just uh, I love the physics teacher. High school. He's probably like a high school physics teacher. Yeah. And radiation expert. Could you I mean, imagine their wives rolling their eyes as they go out into the middle of the night with their uh, their radiation meters and their cap guns? <laughs> oh, my God. It's like this is what people did before there was Netflix. This is we need to go back to this. It does seem that the world of of this stuff is very like male. Are there are there are there 
notable women in the world of paranormal Not, uh, investigation? There are more so now, but it, I'll tell you what. One of the problems with this whole phenomenon, it is it is predominantly male and it is predominantly white male so there's just it there's not a lot of diversity in the ufology field this is something people talk about it's getting better but um certainly in 1973 in pennsylvania i'm pretty sure this is just you know it's just dudes this is kind of their boys club this is like my dad when he was a zoology major he used to go snake hunting with his buddies and they would just go out in the woods and hunt snakes it's like this is what these guys are doing I think just in the I think in the early 70s, just men just needed to have local adventures. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it does seem like there seems like there's a social element to all this, you know? Yeah. These guys are definitely like drinking Pabst Blue Ribbon while doing all of this. You have to imagine. Yeah. And it's like, you know, OK, well, we scanned uh, we scanned the the uh, forest around our farm for radiation. Uh, maybe we should bowl. Let's grab a drink. Like. <laughs> Absolutely. The night's I mean, young. This is, sounds like the best time ever. So the it team has a book arri- club element to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. The team arrived at one forty-five in the morning. What took them so long? I do not know. Uh, and searched the area. By this point, the glowing circle had faded. But David Smith checked the area, like Jordan said, for radiation, and found nothing present. While Lutz and Pulaski searched around the farmhouse and came up empty-handed. Gordon noted, however, that the animals were acting spooked, and that a bull and Pulaski's dog were staring at a specific spot in the woods. The bull became frightened, and the dog started kicking its back legs and barking at the tree line. And during this period, some of them uh, on the team claimed to see the farmhouse itself light up and then suddenly dim after a few seconds, as if it had been surrounded by light. Pulaski, who had been looking pale and sweaty and growing more anxious all evening, started scratching at his face. And this is when things get really, really weird. So Pulaski starts breathing heavily, and they said he started pacing back and forth like a caged animal. Lutz and Pulaski's father, who was now present at this time, they tried calming him down, and Pulaski just starts wigging out. He throws his father and Lutz to the ground and starts running around this pasture, screaming and swinging his arms around. Now everybody's just trying to get this guy to calm down. But Pulaski is going into full berserker mode, snarling and growling like a werewolf. What? At the same time, Dennis Smeltzer turns to Gordon and says, Hey, uh, I'm, start, I'm starting to feel a little lightheaded, guys. Stephen Pulaski throws himself face first into a pile of manure. And then the entire team starts smelling this thick, disgusting waft of sulfur that just surrounds the area. Oh, no. George Lutz was like, Uh... Let's get the fuck out of here. And Steven's screaming at the men. Get back. Get out of here. It's in the corner. Keep away from the corner. Steven then eventually starts calming down. And as he comes out of his fugue state, he started telling everyone that he saw a vision of a man in a black hat holding a scythe who told him that if mankind doesn't straighten itself out, the world was going to end. 
<laughs> I love all the characters we're piling on here. Yes. Great. Oh, just, yeah. <laughs> just when you think uh, the, the story's uh, uh, losing some steam, we have a Grim Reaper type figure. <laughs> a green, a Grim Reaper combined with a Men in Black. Right. Yeah. He's, yes. He's like Men in Black from shoulders up and Grim Reaper from shoulders down. Fucking metal. Yeah, this this is truly wild. So after this all happened, uh, I'm pulling up uh, an article that I read. After this all happened, uh, they Gordon had Pulaski speak with a psychologist or psychiatrist named Dr. Eric Schwartz uh, or Schwartz. And uh, I'm going to read to you from an article that uh, Schwartz wrote about this not long after this all went down called Berserk, a UFO Encounter. Was it a dream? I heard a crying noise. I could see a man in black and a black robe carrying a scythe. Behind this man was fire, and in the front of him was a force, and this force were the creatures. They were calling, Stephen, Stephen. One was laughing. It was a tantalizing laugh and made me mad. My hands were clenched tight. Behind us was a big light. In this light, something was telling me to go forward. Go forward. Come on. It was edging me. I could see myself as crazy, a man so powerful that I wasn't scared of anything. The creatures kept calling me, and the light kept saying, Go, my son. You can't be hurt. Go to the light, Stephen. Go to the light. (laughs) I think of a mother sheep calling her little lambs. As I walked to the edge of the woods, the creatures kept wailing. I looked at them, and all I could think was of death and the faceless form in the black robe who was commanding these things to kill me. It was hate, a hatred for everything. I knew that these things came from this force, and if they got to the light, they would be destroyed. The tension was so terrific that I passed out. Then I heard, he is here, he is here, but who is he? Somebody was pulling, was putting a puzzle in my head. My hands and ankles were hurting. Somebody was telling me that these people are going to destroy themselves. Uh, I kept seeing the date, 1976. 1976. It popped out of my mouth. If these people don't straighten out, the whole world will burn. Ducktails. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> Man, Every I mean, day that I've been making. Yeah, that's this some... is this is new. You know, this definitely feels like uh, this is unlike any any alien encounter story I've heard. Yeah, well, is... so Gordon and his crew actually believe that Pulaski may have suffered from a type of contact D syndrome that uh-huh. often occurs when people make contact with quote unquote higher intelligences mm. or extraterrestrial phenomenon, which often involve visions of apocalyptic images. Uh-huh. Bryce, this is something that's come up on the show before. Most definitely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it sounds like this guy. Um, received some sort of download or or he was able ha- to have access to some visionary experience that uh, freaked him the fuck right out. And although the world did not end in 1976, at least not in the biblical sense, the Greensburg case remains one of the strangest tales of high strangeness I've ever come across while researching this podcast. Yeah. Hitting several key phenomena, UFOs, Bigfoot, and the Men in Black leaving us not only to ponder, are we alone, but 
just how many of them are there. And that's the story of the Greenberg case. Uh, My sources came from the Sasquatch Saucers by Doug Monk and Joe Phillips from Paradox Press's classic graphic novel, The Big Book of the Unexplained. The 25th anniversary of Truly Scary Pennsylvania UFO Encounter from Stan Gordon and Berserk, a UFO Creature Encounter by Eric Schwartz, MD. That was a good one. Pretty weird stuff, huh? What do you think about that, Jordan? What the hell is that? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you know, I think my <laughs> go-to is always maybe this is a mentally ill person who needs some help. Sure. Uh, yeah. That they have not gotten. That's why Gordon had him speak with Eric Schwartz. And Eric Schwartz kind of was like, he, the, he you know, uh, figured out that Stephen didn't have a history of mental illness. Yeah. He did have a somewhat stressful childhood and stressful life. I mean, at like 19, he broke his back in the coal mines, was living on disability and then doing this farm work. Um, so he's like, well, you know, but then you think about, is that any more or less stressful than any person who's, you know, just working hard? I don't know. Well, and he wasn't the only one to experience it. Uh, you know, there were multiple witnesses, one including a state trooper who's a trained observer. I mean, so right. something must have happened in that field in Pennsylvania. One of the things that the psychiatrist put forth was this idea of that maybe there's some sort of connection between whatever is the UFO phenomenon and then reports of people turning into werewolves, that maybe there's some psychological factor where these these encounters or stressors that cause people to act and behave like animals. Like he was really trying to figure out why this guy went into this like feral mode, right? you know, and, and, and that he's like, okay, we have UFOs sort of representing like uh otherworldly power or godlike power. We have these creatures appear and him behave like an animal that sort of represents the animus. And then we have the, the person in black representing death. Like he's really trying to figure out symbolically what this, this all means. Psychologist is having his Jung moment moment. He's like, Oh, <laughs> this is fuck. I've been waiting totally. for a fucking case like this for 20 years. Yeah. He, he had- was really trying to figure out if this is just like repressed anger towards Pulaski's father, you know, right. but it's just like, <laughs> right. It's right. amazing. I just love this image and I'm sure it was not fun for him, but of this farmer just like going bananas and then throwing himself in cow shit in front of all these all these people and you know one of them said uh it might have been stan gordon was like if this guy was putting on a performance his commitment was next level yeah i don't think it's that man i i really don't i look if this was like a a one-off case where people saw something strange with some quote-unquote big hairy monsters and i'd be like oh yeah maybe maybe somebody's having some psychological difficulties but you know people report this shit more than people think so it's not strange for me to think that you know what these people described you know is literally what they experienced some sort of strange force field light along with some you know a couple of hairy creatures and uh and i don't know perhaps this guy was put into some sort of a a trance or something i mean who fucking knows but i'm not putting it past that this is what these guys actually experienced that night that's crazy shit man Uh, jordan morris bullshit or believe it (laughs) 
<laughs> uh, oh, I mean, I, I'm, I'm definitely bullshit on this one. <laughs> um, yeah, any, anything that I think is happening in someone's head or something, I'm maybe more likely to write off as, as untreated mental illness. But, um, but boy, I mean, as far as like capturing the imagination goes, um, yeah, this definitely has has some of the fun of the like Hellboy comics, which I really love, um, where it's just totally. like. Everything you've ever heard is, you know, monitored by one organization and they do Loch Ness. They do Bigfoot. They do yeah. aliens. Um, yeah, there's definitely like there's definitely <laughs> this as far time as, it's Stan Gordon and his physics teacher and his other buddies. <laughs> yeah, it's some right. It's some guys at a local university uh, who who uh, who measure radiation. But uh, but yeah, there's definitely like just the story of it has some like very fun like uh some good world building, I'll say. Yeah, mm. and look, 15 witnesses saw the red ball. You know, three people claimed to see these creatures. You know, the state trooper saw this weird glowing grass. Um, who knows? You know, what? whatever went on inside the dude's head, I think, is, you know, left best to, for professionals. But there are some weird sightings involved in this story, which is why it sort of still falls into the mysterious category for me. Well, and it sounds like it might have been a flap as well. I mean, you know, 600 UFO sightings along with 118 hairy beast sightings. That Those are probably the only ones that reported. So it sounds like something was happening on a gigantic scale, you know, right in that area. Well, I guess we'll never know. Uh, Jordan Morris, thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Where can people find your work? Uh, yeah, I am. Uh, I am on Twitter at Jordan underscore Morris. Uh, you can check out the uh, podcast Jordan Jesse Go. It's a it's it's a goof around chat show, much like this one, but without the uh, format or focus. <laughs> I barely, barely. Yeah, that's saying a lot. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So that's that's uh, that's wherever you get your podcast. And also, I uh, was a writer on a uh, TV show that might be of interest to your audience. Uh, it's called Earth to Ned. It's coming soon on Disney Plus. Cool. It is about a an alien created by the Jim Henson Company who hosts a talk show. Oh. Um, it's uh, oh, yeah. this sounds awesome. Yeah, sounds no, it, it, it was a ton of fun to work on, and uh, yeah, it, it, lots lots of cool celebrity guests, lots of weird uh, uh, Jim Henson style humor. Uh, it's coming on September fourth on Disney Plus. Oh, there. dude, definitely going to check that out, and I know our listeners will love that. Um, Bryce Riley, anything to mention before we say goodnight? I just want to thank everybody who sent in submissions for our music video. Uh, I was just blown away by the creativity and the weirdness of our audience. And um, <laughs> I'm really excited uh, for what it's going to become. Um, so thank you guys. Cannot yeah. wait. Some of the, I saw some of that stuff and it was amazing. Uh, you can follow us at Bigfoot Collectors Club on Instagram, Bigfoot Pod on Twitter. Please go to Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star review. Uh, leave us a nice message. If you do, we'll read it here on the air like... Wharf77BB, who said, great mix. Just enough conspiracy and strangeness with a good level of skepticism about said stories. They often say if they don't agree with a point or call out something for just being strange, but normal coincidence. I love the show. Thank you so much, uh, Wharf. We love Thanks, you. Wharf, yeah. Uh, we can't wait. Uh, one more episode to come in Wet Hot Alien Summer. Uh, all right, everybody. Until next time, good night. And go get regressed.
Bigfoot Collectors Club is produced by Riley Bray. Our theme song is Come Alone by Sun Eaters, courtesy of Lotus Pool Records. If you like the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps get the podcast to more listeners. To support the show, check out our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash Bigfoot Collectors Club and unlock multiple reward episodes every month. In the 1970s, John Todd burst onto the evangelical scene with a shocking tale. He claimed to be a former witch involved in a then unheard of secret organization called the Illuminati and urged Christians to prepare for a violent world takeover. First of all, the number one weapon in everybody's home should be a 12-gauge pump shotgun. Hear the amazing story of one of the originators of the modern-day conspiracy theory. From Magnificent Noise and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Cover Up, The Conspiracy Tapes. Hey guys, Heather Ashley here, host of the Big Mad True Crime Podcast. If you're looking for a true crime podcast with all of the details and none of the small talk, you have found your people. Each week, we dive deep into a new case and learn everything there is to know, from getting to know the victim and the impact their cases had on those around them, to the investigation into what happened to them and who is or might be responsible, and if the bad guy looks like he might drink whiskey by a dumpster or has the social skills of an ogre, we say it because we were all thinking it anyway. As the name suggests, we get big mad over true crime, and I would love to have you join our incredible community of listeners with big hearts and zero time for small talk. Subscribe to Big Mad True Crime anywhere you listen to podcasts and listen to new episodes every single Monday.